Well, good morning. It's good to see uh, all of you uh, here and uh, great to have all of you that are joining us online right now. Um, so we start a new series, uh, Rooted. And um, as you think about this new series, um, it's really a series of thinking about like us as a church, as a, as a body of people. And, and who do we want to be and, like, and how do we strengthen that? And so I want to I start this series off and read a passage to you uh, out of Ezekiel, which I'm sure you all like reading Ezekiel this morning, right? It's like, wow, that's one of, one of my favorite books, right? Um, but Ezekiel has this, uh, uh, he uses this really cool metaphor uh, describing God's community uh, that in some ways I think really uh, that, that we want to use, that we're using f- uh, for this series. So this is found in Ezekiel uh, chapter 31. Ezekiel chapter 31, um, starting with verse 6. And uh, here's the metaphor he uses, and it's of a, of a tree here. And he says this, he says, All the birds of the sky nested in its branches. All the animals of the, of the wild, all the, excuse me, all the animals of the wild gave birth uh, under its branches. In other words, like this tree, it's like a life-giving place and, and animals are finding shelter. And then he, and he kind of switches the, the metaphor uh, here. He says, um, all the great nations lived in its shade. It was beautiful in its greatness, in the length of its branches, for its roots went down to abundant waters. Um, And that phrase, uh, all of the nations, uh, whenever you see uh, that word nations in the Old Testament, uh, that was kind of code for talking about like all the Gentiles, all of the uh, the non-Jews, the people that you would normally think of as like, you know, they're not a part of God's community, right? The Jews are God's uh, people. And, and yet here's this beautiful metaphor of like God's community being, being like this wonderful tree where even, even the nations, even the people that are not the Jews, like they're finding refuge in life and, and shelter and good things. Uh, under this tree. But the key to this tree being the tree that it is, um, is its roots, right? It's got all these wonderful branches that do all these beautiful things, but it is the roots that nourish and make it strong because it has these roots that go down uh, into these abundant waters. And as a community, I want us to think about that for the next three weeks. Um, uh, like, what is it that allows us, uh, or how do we put down deep roots into abundant water so that we can be the kind of community uh, that is strong and does all of these things that God would want us to do as a community? So each week, we're going to kind of go through a different uh, topic about how we can become uh, rooted in this. Uh, it's interesting, my daughter and I went uh, on a trip to Mexico earlier this year, and for one of the places we went, we went to this uh, little t- uh, town called Izamel. And it was like in the middle of the jungle, and so we're, we're traveling along, and the jungle kind of opens up, and all of a sudden there was this beautiful little city. Izamel, and it's known as the Golden City. And when you see pictures of it, you're like, I, I can see why, because they paint all the buildings like this golden yellow color. But it's really pretty. You get in there and you see all of these buildings. And then as we were kind of looking around, we got into the center, like the town squares. Uh, but right in the middle of the city, like on this high point, is this beautiful, amazing, amazing church. 
Um, it is this gorgeous church that just kind of uh, just towers up over the jungles and the rest of the, the city there. And the background on this story was fascinating. You know, this little uh, town of Ismail has been around for, um, uh, I forgot what it was, but like maybe like a thousand years or something. But going back, the church dates all the way back to the early 500s. So like when you think about like guys like Martin Luther starting the, you know, the Protestant Reformation or something over in Europe, um, there was this beautiful little thing that happened. There were uh, this small group of monks or friars that leave Europe with this vision um, to to tell people about Christ who had never even heard of Christ, right? There's this whole new world and, and they travel off, they give up their entire lives in Europe and they go over and they find this little community of receptive people and they begin this little church um, and it begins to grow. And around 1560 or so, uh, there's enough people coming to it that they actually build a building uh, and it's the beginnings of this building that you saw, this beautiful church. And it grows and it becomes this amazing thing with all of these people. And here, uh, Coley and I are like, you know, more than 500 years later, we are walking around this church. And again, there's all of these people that were in the church when we were there and we're going around this thing. But it hit me. There was this, this thing that hit me. You know, um, the people that, that were there and showing up the day we were there, they weren't showing up because they were drawn to this place because they wanted to belong. They didn't show up to that place because they were looking for something or because there was this vision of what Christ could be in their lives. They showed up because there was this beautiful building that was like a relic and they just came to visit and take pictures and then they left. And it's interesting, this church still had a staff and like they had budgets and they had programs and they were doing different things, but, but it was no longer a church because all those budgets and the staff and everything, it, it was just to take care of a museum that is now a church. And that wasn't lost on me in that moment. I, I thought about that. I thought, you know, as I read a little bit about the story, as you kind of go around or whatever, and, and, I, and I thought, like, what, what happened? that there was this vision of this beautiful thing about who Christ is and how people could know Christ. And now it, it's, it's beautiful, but it's a relic, a museum that people come and just visit and then leave. And, and as I was able to piece together part of the story, it, it's, it's not an uncommon thing. It was this church with this amazing vision, like a movement that then then the movement kind of turned into an institution. It became uh, dominated uh, by just a small group of people that in it became kind of a status thing. And so it kind of represented the people who were really in or influential. And then so not everybody was welcome to this thing. And then it just kind of slowly turned into like this monument and this beautiful monument in the center of this city. But it, it lost what it was is a movement until finally it just became a museum. And you know, I think about that and too often churches lose that beautiful vision that Christ launched the church with in the first place. You know, Jesus didn't come to launch an institution. Jesus, you see nothing with what Jesus did. He didn't come to start another uh, religion even. He came to start a movement 
that would pull people toward him in this beautiful way, that would be life-giving in new and fresh ways. And yet too often, churches lose that beautiful thing. They lose that picture of what Ezekiel talked about, that, that tree, right? And they just become a thing that serves just itself in some way. Um, it becomes fixed and rigid uh, in all of this. And it's common. Like, you can go to Europe and see lots of buildings that used to house churches that are now just museums. And, and I bring all of this up because uh, the, the subject I want to talk about, I, I want to contrast this idea of a movement um, and an institution because we're called to be a movement not as an institution. So when you think about what does it take to like sink those roots down, there, there's something that's very important to all churches, and it's how you resource those churches. How do you resource the vision and all the things that they're doing, and which is this topic of giving. Like, how do we give financially um, to our church, to our community? And, and the reason I bring this up is because, you know, the moment you bring that subject up, right, there's always this tension. There's always this thing because we've all experienced different moments, right? Um, like the moment I said, you know, resourcing our church or giving, I'm sure many of you are just like, I'm feeling kind of tight in my neck right now. Right? Like, you know, this was, or if this is your first Sunday, you're like, wow, all the Sundays I came the first time. <laughs> He's going to talk about giving on this Sunday, right? And, and I just want to acknowledge that because there's all of these things that have happened over the years, things that that you have experienced, that I've experienced at different moments that, that can give us an uneasiness uh, on this. Um, just like for instance, let me just illustrate this. Like how many times have you ever had um, the issue of church come up and you've had someone say to you, churches, pff, all, they, all they want is your money, right? I bet you've heard that because it's around this tension of giving. Or the idea of like uh, organized religion comes up, right? And someone uses that term, organized religion. And they're going to go on to explain some problem that they see with organized religion. And I bet you it's going to have dollar signs attached to it in some way. Because they've experienced something. There's something that they've seen or run into in all of this. Or how many times have you been in a situation where you felt a little manipulated or a little guilted into giving to something that was, maybe it was related to churches or to some ministry or, or something in the name of God. And it just, it left, it left you with a little bit of residue as you think about this topic of giving. And my hope this morning is I want to walk through this topic um, in a way that maybe would help you find a different way to think about it that would be life-giving. I hope for some of you that maybe this is a subject that you, like you feel that tension in your shoulders or whatever. I hope it lightens your load in some way. And for others of you, I, I hope it inspires you in a new way that, that this becomes something that actually stirs something that you experience in a positive way here this morning. Because there is this distinct difference that we believe in, um, especially around giving. And it is this difference between um, institutions and movements 
There's something very different in the way they operate and what happens in them. And especially on this topic of giving. Institutions function around giving in a very different way than movements do. And when you look at the New Testament, you see a very different way of looking, about, uh, uh, looking at giving. And it is very movement-oriented. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a particular passage. It's found in 2 uh, Corinthians. And so if you want, go to 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to look in uh, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, and uh, as you turn there, let me just say this. You know, the Corinthians... The Corinthian church had lots of issues. There's like all kinds of things that come up. But one thing that's really beautiful, and there's like multiple things that's beautiful about the the Corinthian church, but one was they were a very generous church. That kind of comes out in this. And so understand that when Paul is writing this, he's not writing this to a bunch of stingy people that he's trying. He's writing this to a group of people that are generous. And he gives us some insights about how to think about giving that I think can be really helpful for us. And this morning, I want to just talk about two of those uh, insights here this morning. But first, let's read the passage. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So he uses kind of this uh, organic metaphor here, right? He's talking about like uh, farming, so to speak, you know, this idea of planting and harvesting in this. So I want you to think about this, and there's these two principles that come out. The first one is this. Okay, and and this has to do when you're thinking about giving. The first one is this. Picture the harvest that you're thinking about, right? If you're going, he says, like, whatever you sow, whatever you plant, he says, I want you to think about, like, your planting has an effect on what you're going to harvest. And so I want you to think about what you're going to harvest because that's going to make a difference in what you plant in all of this. Um, The idea here is, as you think about what you want to harvest, plant towards that. Is there something you want a lot of? Plant a lot of seeds in that, right? If there's something you're not wanting, don't plant seeds towards that thing, like, because it's going to grow. Like, he takes this simple principle and then applies it to giving. And so the, the first idea here is... Think about the harvest. And what this means is it means uh, dreaming a little bit. It means thinking about what that harvest is. What is that thing that you value? What is that thing that you love? And what would it mean to get more of that? Invest your resources in a way that's going to give you more of the thing that you want, the thing that you love in this. So, and I really mean this, like, Think about dreaming about this a little bit. You know, I think about this. I I dream about this some. I think about some of the young people that are just, you know, like some some of the preschoolers that are just now entering our preschool ministry and they're going to go all the way through elementary and some of those kids right their families are going to be here and they're going to go through elementary and middle school and high school what do we want what do you want to harvest in the sense of that young adult someday someday like what do you want to see 
And I think about that, you know, I want to see, I want to see some young adults that someday, because they were a part of the ministry of this church, because they were connected to you as a community, that whatever they face, and who knows how wacky the world will be, right? When some of our preschoolers are young adults, right? I hope it's a nice, calm, peaceful world. Might not be though, right? (laughs) But you know what I want to harvest? I want to see those young adults step into that world believing and trusting that whatever it is that they face, Jesus is with them and that they can trust Jesus to walk with them. Man, if they have that, I feel, yeah, that's right. We want to harvest that. So the question is, what do we sow now that will help that be a harvest someday? That's all Paul is saying here. And so it's like, oh man, there's, let's make an investment in that. Let's make an investment in those kids. And let's, let's make an investment in a ministry that, that we think will help harvest that. I think about our high school students, right? I think about how we invest in them even right now. I remember years ago, we made a very deliberate decision about our high school ministry. And part of it, in fact, it was when Ryan uh, was a, a brand new high school pastor. Um, and now, now look at him. He's all grown up and mature now, right? Um, um, just like, it's like, wow, that was so long ago, it seems like. Um, but we made this decision, like we want our high school ministry to be something that is actually very inclusive to high schoolers and students and kids that maybe, maybe you're coming from families that don't go to church. Like what would it mean to be able to pull in kids that, that have no connection to church? Like their families don't go, but could we reach them uh, in this? And, and part of the reason was because there's this thing that easily happens within small group or within youth ministries. It's really easy for youth ministries to, to kind of become this thing where it's just like, let's just bubble wrap all of our kids. We'll protect them. And, and in this kind of uh, bubble, uh, it becomes this thing where it becomes exclusive. It can become cliquish. It can become this thing that just, it's not what the church was meant to be. And it's interesting, my wife uh, became a small group leader back then for the high school uh, ministry. And I remember her talking about her small group. She had this small group, uh, this little small group of these uh, girls. And as we were focusing on, like, what are the things that we can do that would invite in those students? She started getting in some of these uh, girls into her small group that were not the typical youth group uh, types of students. Um, she had one girl that came into her group uh, that was uh, Wiccan. She came home and says, I have a girl. And she said she was Wiccan. If you don't know what Wiccan is, it's like, think of like a kind of uh, like pagan religion or witchcraft or something. And she goes like, never seen this before but she wants to come and she's filled with all of these questions. And, you know, it was like, well, you know, she probably won't be long, but she, she kept coming back and coming back and Angie would come back like every, like every Wednesday night she'd come back and she says, you know what? Her heart's becoming more and more tender and she's like asking all of these questions and she's finding this place of community within a church instead of something else. And as Angie started to understand more and more about her background and why all, it's just, and all of a sudden we became this beautiful place. And you could see that like we were, we were planting towards something and we were seeing it more and more. And even now we are seeing more young people in our student ministries 
and they're like the only ones in their family coming to our student ministries than ever before. And I, and I love this because it means like we're reaching them in a way. They, they're, here, here's the thing about this. They're not coming to church because parents are making them, right? I went to a lot of youth group Bible studies and groups and stuff because I had to, right? And these kids are coming because they want to. And I just think, man, God's going to use that in precious, precious uh, ways. I think about uh, our adult ministries and what we're trying to do. You know, we are seeing right now as a church, we are seeing unprecedented levels of new people, uh, uh, adults coming into our church uh, right now. Um, and, and, and I honestly have never experienced anything like this uh, in all my years of ministry. Um, so many people coming, some of them coming who are coming from a very church background, but coming in a very different way, coming in a way of like what, what they have experienced in the last few years have, has just like left them in this difficult place where they're feeling disconnected and they're now coming in and finding connection here. And the thing that I'm like, okay, here, what I want us to plant to, what I want to harvest someday, I want to hear stories of them in years to come of how they found meaningful connection here that was life-giving, that they found shelter spiritually in this place and in this community. The other thing that we're seeing more and more of is uh, people that like with no church background, that are just coming and they're just, all that they're going through and they're just like, I'm looking for something. I'm lo- like something, like my life feels upside down. I'm hearing that a lot. I'm hearing the world is upside down or my life feels upside down. And it's like, they're looking for something. I think about years ago, we made a decision, like we want to be a church that we want to, we want to make sure that we are always welcoming to someone who maybe has no church uh, background in all of this. And, um, and as we planted more and more towards that, like we've experienced that in beautiful ways and sometimes in ways that are beautiful, but unexpected. back, you know, like before COVID, like when we passed plates and stuff, we had uh, someone that had been coming to the church for like, I think it was like four or five months, um, no church background at all. And he was so excited, he was loving, and he wanted to help, he wanted to participate. And so um, some of the guys were like, well, you know what, you can, you can help usher and you can help pass the plates. And so he's like, I'd love to volunteer and do that. So he started pa- helping to pass the plates and we'd have, you know, people who would get up and they'd pass the plates. Well, one Sunday morning, he is passing the plates and there's someone on the end of the row and uh, they were brand new as well. And not just like brand new and f- uh, like they'd been coming a few months, they'd only been coming a few weeks. And this guy had like, this was like, he loved this place. He was just like, this, like, I, this is fascinating to me. And so we talked about like uh, giving and he wanted to give. And so the guy who's pretty new, uh, you know, gets ready to hand him the plate. This guy pulls out his wallet because he wants to give. He pulls out a bill and he goes to to the other new guy. He goes, can you make change for a 20? (laughs) You know, now me, I was just like, that just doesn't happen. I just, you know, like, just because I grew up and we were taught, like, you, you, you don't make change on Sunday morning. Just like, and of course, they're both new. The guy that was, had the plate, he goes, sure. <laughs> Reaches into the plate. Yeah. See, I grew up 
if it went in the plate, and if it was an accident, too bad. I mean, you drop some money in the plate, it's gone. Drop your wallet, ooh, that's rough, but too bad, right? It's just, it's God's now, right? You know, you know protect your watch, your jewelry, whatever. But it's just like, it's, and, and I'm just like, we've got guys making change in the church. Uh, it's just, but you know, there's a part of me that is as uncomfortable as I am with that. And you know, I'm not looking for that to happen every Sunday, okay? But um, there was a part of me that I was just like, okay, but you know what? I love this. Like there are two guys that just, they felt comfortable enough. They felt welcomed enough that it's just like, you know, we're accepted. It's just like, I just, and they didn't, it's just like, that's what we do, right? And it's just, and I thought, I love that. And here's the thing. What can we do to keep, keep planting things that harvest something where there are people that just like, they don't even understand all the things that go on with church, but that's okay. Because there's something deeper that has drawn them in and they have experienced a community that is welcome. Like that's part of what we want to harvest uh, in all of this. Um, and part of this, and I really want to say this, is you think about giving, give yourself permission to dream. Give your, like when you think about uh, giving your, when you think about how you will give to your community, to this church, dream a little bit. Dream, like say, like think about like, you know, God, what do I want to see someday? What do I hope for? You know, one of the other things I hope for when I think about the harvest is who will we be? Like when you think about our reputation in the larger community, what kind of neighbor will we be? Because, you know, I think about that missionally. I want us to be a church that, that what we harvest someday is that there, there's a whole huge community out there that goes, you know, that's the church. That's the church that is all about acceptance and love and freedom. And it's somehow centered in Christ. I, they're, they're like, I just, like I, I want people to feel that acceptance and that love in a way that just keeps pulling them a little bit closer to Jesus and that they see us as a good neighbor that like pulls them towards that. And you know, I got to experience that a little bit at the fall festival as uh, Ryan and Miles and I were setting up our little trunk or treat uh, area. There was a group of, of young people of like high school aged uh, like kids that were setting up uh, their uh, trunk or treat uh, nearby us. And I uh, started talking with them a little bit and realized uh, they were all refugees. They were a part of the refugee ministry that we team with and work with uh, here in Tucson. And, I, and we actually played a little soccer together. Um, uh, they are way better than me um, and got to know them a little bit. But the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing was I watched as the night began to unfold and as thousands of people made their way by, as you all made your way by, the way you interacted with them, right? Because there's a part of it that became obvious just like from their accent or, or whatever it was. And the way you made them feel was beautiful. And I thought about it, and I kept watching this, and I thought, you know, some of these kids, they, they had to leave their homes behind, sometimes overnight for, some, for horrendous reasons, and they became refugees overnight. They find themselves in some place, some city that they wasn't their choosing, wasn't their picking, and here they are, and talk about feeling out of place. And yet I watched all night. I watched them laugh and smile and shake hands with you all and interact. I loved 
just being a part of you all as a community because you were such a good neighbor. And you know what I want to harvest? I want to harvest more of that. I want more people in our community to experience this community and your love and your acceptance and the Jesus that lives in you. I want them to experience that more and more in meaningful ways. So Paul says, you know, when it comes to what you harvest, part of it depends on what you sow. So when you think about what you will give, think about what you'll harvest and sow to that end. Dream a little bit in all of this. Second thing, second thing is this. Um, uh, Use your heart to help guide your giving. Um, Look back at uh, verse seven, says this. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Um, And this, you know, at first glance, it's kind of crazy. He's saying, you know, trust your heart. Use your heart uh, uh, to help make this decision. And most of them we think, I should never trust my heart. but, But what he's saying here is like, no, trust your heart. God has put his spirit in your heart. He's made your heart new. Um, in fact, the idea, when sometimes when we think of heart, we, just, we think of just like the emotional part. They're like, oh, this is like, um, in the first century, the idea of the heart would have been much more than just what you would have had like emotional passion for. It would have been that, but it would have been more deeply connected to your deepest values, your deepest beliefs, your deepest convictions. And so think about like, what are the deepest values and, condi- uh, and um, convictions that God has been shaping in your heart? What matters most? And what he's saying is, align your giving to that. Like, give out of that. See, this is the difference between institutional giving and, and giving uh, as part of a movement. Because th- there's something about institutions. Everything just has this way of becoming like, just, you just have to, you're obligated to like take care of the institution, right? It's just there, just, right? And, but a movement is about, it's always about something deeper. It's always about that thing that motivates you. And he says, so like, Trust your heart on this. Align it with your heart in this. And he compares, he contrasts it with this kind of institutional uh, giving, right? Look at what he says. He says, um, not to give in this way, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And when you think about these two words, reluctantly or under compulsion, you know, reluctantly goes to this idea of um, don't give out of guilt. In fact, the root uh, for the word used for reluctant is the word for pain or regret. Don't give because you, like there's this pain that you have about yourself that you're trying uh, to relieve in this moment. And we, right, we've all had moments where there's someone that is uh, like trying to get us to give to something and they're a master at just creating just enough guilt that we start feeling bad about ourselves, just like, oh God, okay, I guess I'll give because like, I want to assuage this kind of heavy feeling that I've got right now, right? And how does that leave you later, right? Not, not great, does it? And he's saying like, no, like don't give because there's something you feel guilty about in this. Don't let that be your motivation. Uh, also, don't give out of compulsion, he says. And when uh, compulsion is this obligatory sense. In fact, it comes uh, from the Greek word that means pressure or obligation, right? And, and it's the idea that there's something that's pressuring you or it's trapped you. And now you feel like, oh, like now I have to give, right? Uh, it's this thing like, so good Christians 
have to give. Okay, well, if I want to be a good Christian, I guess I have to give. And there's this, right? And no one likes that. There's the, it, but so often, when it comes to giving, when we think about churches, it, like, it comes from this, and we, and we, get, we feel trapped by this. Um, here, not too long ago, Angie and I were traveling back from California, and we got a late start, and by the time we got to, like, near the California border, it was already really late, and I was really tired, and I was just like, let's just find a place to stop, and I think it was somewhere in Blythe. Blythe, California. And so we pull into the first gas station late, late at night at uh, Blythe, California. And uh, we get out, you know, our phones and we, f- and, you know, we find uh, like a hotel. I forgot what app we were using or whatever. And we make reservations for that hotel. And so like five minutes later, we drive up to the hotel and I get out and I'm tired. And, you know, I'm banging on the plexiglass because the guy's asleep that's in there. And I'm like, we have reservations, right? You know, and he comes over and he goes through all the paperwork and he says, uh, how would you like to pay for the balance. And I go, I already paid for it. I paid for it online. It was like, I don't know, 50 or 60 bucks is like how, you know, just a cheap room was all we were looking for. Just like, I go, I already paid the whole thing online. He goes, yeah, but not actually. There's a few extra fees, he said. And I'm like, hmm. He goes, yeah. So like, there's a parking fee. Parking fee. And I'm looking, I'm just like, the street's like right there. I'm like, I'll park on the street. And he goes, well, yeah, but you still have to pay for the parking fee because it like goes with the room. I'm like, and then he really sunk me on this one. He goes, um, and there's a resort fee. <laughs> Have you all run into the resort fee? No? Well, be careful. I'm, just, I'm like, a resort fee? Uh, and now I'm like, just like, because this wasn't like we we're staying at a Motel 6 or something. We we're like down a few notches from a Motel 6. They don't leave the light on for you at this place, Okay. We drove up and it was just dark. And it was like, hello? I'm like, a resort fee? <laughs> and then I think he could sense that I was just like, I just might go someplace else with this because this feels like, you know. He goes, oh, and sorry, but, you know, your $60, your $60 payment is non-refundable. Mm, he's got me, right? Like, and just, and it was like, just, I felt trapped and like pressured a little bit, just like, oh, I've got to do this now. And I don't want to waste this $60, you know? And I hope those resort amenities are really good, you know? Just ever feel like that? Ever, ever feel like there's a moment, like, like maybe it was some point in your past and there was something and you just, like, and it was this thing where there was like this shame piece that got mixed with this like obligatory piece. And it's just, you know what that does? It sucks all the joy there can be out of anything you would have gotten out of giving. That's what it does. That's, that's like institutional giving, right? If you really want to be a good Christian, like this is what you need to do. And what Paul says is, don't give out of that. In fact, like joy, joy actually needs to be a part of it. Um, uh, look, at what he, look at what he says uh, there in the end of verse uh, 7. End of verse 7, he says, For God loves what? A staunch giver. A committed giver, right? No, a cheerful giver. Like God... God, and, and, and it's not this. God's not saying, and you better have a good attitude when you're giving, right? That's not what God's doing in that moment. The whole idea is 
when you align it with your heart, when you think about what you want to harvest, when you're just like, you know what? I'm going to give because I'm, I'm like planting something. I'm sowing something. And there's something beautiful that I want in the future. And, and like, and it aligns with my heart and my values and what I think God is doing in my community that I belong to. You might actually enjoy that. You might actually go, I'm looking forward to that. Like there's, there's a kind of joy that you might experience out of all of that. See, that is a different kind of giving. And I point all of this out because I've got to believe in a room this size. I bet there's a bunch of you. I bet many of you. Maybe the only kind of giving you've ever known is a more institutional kind of giving. And maybe you spent a lot of years and you gave because you thought you ought to or you need to. And, and, and whether you're giving or not, I want you to know that like what the New Testament is describing is lifting that off and saying there's a different kind of giving that comes from your heart. It comes with a dream that maybe God has put before you in all of this. And it's rooted in something else. It's rooted in, in the joy that you have about your desires for the community that you're a part of. And you know what, I, what else I love about this? Is what he points out here is, is, is essentially what he's saying is, and this is how God gives. This kind of giving that comes from your heart, that comes from a dream of what you want to harvest, this, this is how God gives. In fact, uh, look at verse 8. He says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Like, God loves to bless you. You know, it's interesting, this kind of giving, there's, an, uh, there's a real irony to it. Um, it because it's a kind of selfless generosity, right? There, there's a selflessness to it. It's, it's saying, I'm gonna give, and it's not about assuaging my guilt. I'm not gonna give so that I get this benefit of, of you know, lifting this guilt off. I'm gonna give to bless my community. I'm gonna give it to bless maybe people I don't even know yet. I'm, I'm gonna do that, right? It's so selfless. But you know, it's also a kind of selfish giving too but in a good way. Because what happens when we give in a selfless light? What happens when you give to the thing that's aligned with your heart? I'm telling you, there's a kind of joy that you experience. You've all experienced this. Think of a moment when you, there was a gift that you gave someone and you were excited about it. Maybe like they were looking for something online and you knew they couldn't find it and then you found it and their birthday's coming up or something and you're like, you bought it and you're just like, I can't wait to give this to them. And you remember what it was like when you gave them that gift? Maybe it was something you made or made like to just, do you remember what that was like? Do you remember how like you felt, you experienced a richness in your own life and what he's saying here is like, God loves to give to you in abundant ways. And you know how I know God's not giving? God's never giving to you or me because he's feeling guilty. He's not doing that, right? God's not going, oh man, I'm just feeling so bad right now. Okay, I guess. I know. When God gives to you and me, when he blesses us in a million different ways, 
You know why he does it? He wants to. No one is twisting God's arm to make him do what he doesn't want to do. God wants to. And he experiences joy in it. And what I love here is all Paul is doing is saying, I, I want you to experience the same kind of godly joy that God experiences. And trust him to align your heart to your community that you give in a different way. You know, um, I say all of this, and, and I want you to know that there's something really beautiful and unique that is happening with you as a community. There's something happening that maybe you don't fully see, and, and I know I don't even see it in, in its fullness. It's just I keep running into it week after week after week, and it's been going on for months now in a way that it's just becoming really, really obvious. There's something really beautiful that is happening in this community that I don't know is happening in a lot of other church communities right now. I'll say this, I don't know that I've, I, well, I know this, I've not experienced this in this way in 35 plus years of ministry, especially the way it is happening. You know, uh, you just look at the world around us right now and, and people are struggling, right? It is a struggle for anyone in our world anywhere right now to bring their best uh, any morning, right? It's hard to bring your best. And we live in a world right now where there are so many people that are, like, that are disheartened. They're living out of something. And I say, dis and I mean disheartened in a very precise way. Um, all the things that we've been through in our world have like disconnected us from our heart. And remember, heart is about your deepest values, your deepest belief, what matters most. How many people have you seen that are like, they are a part of institutions or churches that are leveraging fear or scarcity or negative passions that, that aren't pulling out of the best of who they are, but is aligning them or doing things that, that are ginning them up in ways that are exhausting them emotionally. But I have been watching those people show up here and become energized in a different way by you. And I really mean this. You have been, yeah, you have been living, you have been living with a kind of acceptance that has been giving people hope. And this is their stories to me. I've had, and, I've, and I, had a, I had two stories after the last service. People that are saying things like, I was giving up all hope for church altogether. I had one person say, this church was my last stop at trying a church at No More Church. And you gave me, and not like me, Glenn, you, Casas, gave me hope in the church again. And, I, and I'm just hearing these stories in, in just unbelievable ways. I mean, after the last service, one person that was um, on his way into ministry that just like backed out out of disillusionment and then was ready to back out of church altogether and just, but something about what he experienced, he and his wife and family experienced here, gave him new life. People feeling bewildered, and I mean this word in a very precise way too. You know, the, this is an old Anglo-Saxon word, bewildered. It means to be led off in the wilderness, to be, to be wildered or in the wilderness where you're led off in a way and then abandoned or lost. It's a terrible thing. 
right? That be just this lostness. I have heard this phrase so much. It feels like the world is upside down and I, I, I don't know which way is up. But you, I'm just experiencing this church being a breath of fresh air that is reinvigorating people with a sense of love that is just pouring new energy into them. I am so excited about our future. And so what I want to say is, I want to ask this very directly, right? But, but with some caveats here. I want to ask all of you, if this is your church, to be giving, to be planting your financial resources in this church. And, and I want to say this with this caveat too. If you're, if you're already giving, thank you. That is wonderful. But, and I mean this in the kindest of ways. That doesn't make you a better Christian, okay? Because I, I, I don't want to put that pressure on you. But let me also say this too. If you're here and you're not giving and you come out of this morning and you don't start, you're no less of a person. You're no less of a Christian, right? Because I don't want to motivate you out of that. Because that's not how God motivated me. It's not how God, that's not how he speaks in the New Testament. So wherever you are, but I want to ask, invest in your church. But here's the other caveat. Do it with the harvest in mind. Do it dreamingly. Do it with the expectation of what God will do in the future. Do it with a way that is aligning your heart with your community. Because I want the leaders of this church, we want you to experience a kind of joy in this. Because I think that joy will be good for your spiritual journey. And I know it will be good for all of the people around you. Because God is doing something beautiful. And we get to sink deep roots into abundant water that God can use what grows out of that for his vision and his purposes. Because friends, we're a movement, not an institution. Let me, let me, why don't you stand? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna close this with a blessing here this morning. And let me say this too. If you're visiting here this morning, I'm gonna be right over here. I would love to shake your uh, hand this morning or maybe you've been here for a while and we've never had a chance to meet or whatever. I'd love to meet you uh, and just shake your hand uh, here this morning. Let, let me just bless you. Um, may God fill your heart with his joy and his excitement and his vision for you and your community. Amen. Amen. Have a great morning. See you next Sunday.